Welcome back to Night School, episode 22, Song of Myself, episode 20, hopefully ultimate Song of Myself, the final episode. And that would make this a very good day, and it's always a very good day to speak to you, my esteemed colleague, Miss Russ Chance. Welcome back. Thanks. Yeah, congrats on your uh, Iliad course finally coming to conclusion. Thank you. And I don't know how many episodes it took, but it was quite the journey. Yeah. Yeah, I think how it many was, was it? It was an epic journey just getting through that with its own little nadir and time of doubt and Nikoya and visit to the underworld in order to come back <laughs> to insight. Nashville is thus the underworld um, from the summer, but it took 33 episodes and the better part of a year, 11 months. That's a good number though. I was thinking about that. I was really thinking about that when I posted that. I mean, I think the listeners know I teach Dante and in Dante's Divine Comedy, the Purgatorio and the Paradiso, both number 33 in their cantos and the Inferno is 33 plus an introductory canto. So it's 33 plus one. And so to end with 33 on the 11th month of the year, which is actually called the ninth month of the year, and nine is the number of Beatrice Mm -hmm. for Dante, because that was the age at which he met her. And I believe it's the 29th canto of the Purgatorio. We're about to get there in class where we'll meet her again. And so it's it's a special day to be finishing that project. It was my first project here on the podcast and to now be finishing this most recent epic project. So this is quite the epic day and perhaps I'll have an epic meal afterwards. I'll certainly (laughs) put my hand to all good things. And so let's, let's do this, Wes. You ready to finish this? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's your turn to read, right? Yes, it is. And um, don't let me forget at the end, let's tell the listeners what we're going to move on to next. And, uh, and let's tell me too. Um, (laughs) All right. 50. There is that in me. I do not know what it is, but I know it is in me. Wrenched and sweaty, calm and cool, then my body becomes. I sleep. I sleep long. I do not know it. It is without name. It is a word unsaid. It is not in any dictionary, utterance, symbol. Something that swings on more than the earth I swing on. To it, the creation is the friend whose embracing awakes me. Perhaps I might tell more outlines. I plead for my brothers and sisters. Do you see, oh, my brothers and sisters? It is not chaos or death. It is form, union, plan. It is eternal life. It is happiness. So he does name it at the end. That's interesting. Uh, it seems like he's struggling the whole time to find a word, which is kind of what you do as a poet, I suppose. Um, and it makes sense that once in a while you want to sort of demonstrate that process um, in the form of your poem. And so there's lots of these kind of, um, uh, you know, these little these little phrases that are thrown out with dashes around them. Uh, sort of leaping and grasping after this idea. Um, I take it that he knows from the beginning that this is the kind of thing he wants to write, 
And so it's a little bit of a, uh, a contrivance, I guess. Um, at least that's how I'm taking it, uh, that he's pretending, you know, sort of that he's in the moment of, of discovering this um, at the end that it's happiness. But it makes me think a lot of the uh, Declaration of Independence too, right? Like the pursuit of happiness, that, that phrase, um, which is so central and so debated and controversial within the American uh, project of self-governance here. But, but anyway, just to go like uh, into a little bit more of what's in here, um, he associates it with, with sleep in a couple different ways. Um, directly at first and then by kind of connection to um, chaos or death, he says that's not what it is, right? So it's, it's like sleep. It's like a kind of dream. It's this um, aspect that he can't quite know or name or stay. Um, it's certainly not something that he's going to get from anyone other, some other book or some previously said symbol or utterance, right? Um, he associates it to sleeping with somebody also, right? To the friend who's embracing awakes me. So not just to, to be like sleep and dream, but to be like a shared uh, sleep, right? Um, a friendship of that sort. And that it's also like the earth, right? Um, or rather, no, no, it's like him on a kind of earth, right? So it's, it's sort of personified and whatever it um, lives upon and as he says, swings upon <laughs> is, is something like the earth, which of course is like underlying a lot of his, his poem here, the, the leaves of the grass. Um, he says, you know, he might say more and he exclaims outlines, which I guess you could read a few different ways. Like he could say more in the form of outlines or he's like exasperated with outlines. Um, I'm not real sure what which one it is here, but uh, but he really wants us, you know, as he calls us, uh, brothers and sisters. He wants us to sort of get it without him having to say it. He does finally say, right? It is form, union, plan. It is eternal life. It is happiness. Hmm. Yeah, I just see so much in this stanza. It's so, or this part. It's so indescribably beautiful. And I, again, I would use the, the expression tour de force as in this is a magnificent iteration of his talent all at once, a microcosm of his greatest extent of ability. And it's as if he's describing the golden snatch of Harry Potter and likening it to happiness, that which is fleeting, but utterly real and impossible to grasp in the moment that one feels it. And those dashes, I agree, add the edge of eternity to this phrase, which, or to this part, which I, it strikes me as just so very Christian A, and also Dantes B, Christian in that you get again that vocative, oh my brothers and sisters, and you get brothers and sisters again above that in the stanza, of the penultimate stanza. <clears throat> you get sort of the Christian declaration of the end too. It is eternal life, it is happiness, it is form, union, plan, not chaos or death, which could also be a Miltonic uh, uh, idea because um, Satan commiserates with chaos in, uh, I think it's book two, uh, is where it famously happens. It might be book three um, in Paradise Lost. But also outlines recalls to me uh, Dante's um, Sphere of Jupiter, where geometry in the rulers 
take place and also just sort of sort of the epic idea of the underworld, the outlines, the shades of people around him. Um, then so he's sort of providing outlines or shooting his light out in a vague way so that we might embody that which he does not say. And again, that's another Dantist and sort of Christian mystic technique, right? To talk about that which is, but which cannot be said, and to talk about that which one could say, which one does not say, and to leave it up to the reader's imagination or, or rational thinking capacity to think it through on his, on his own. And also just the sense of motion in this middle stanza, something that swings on more than the earth I swing on, evokes the image of like swinging around like a, a rotating world, almost being upside down. And to it, the creation, this friend who's embracing awakes me, which is just an incredible melding of images, right? One has sort of a creation image coming out from an image of the world rotating into sort of the image of whoever Whitman's friend is embracing him. Um, and sort of suggestion that both are equally beautiful, I suppose, by them accompanying each other on the same line. And again, sort of Dantist and mystic, no dictionary or utterance or symbol contains this truth because I suppose it is the logos that recognizes that which is in a book, which is the truth which the book directs one's mind towards, the existence of one's own mind, not the existence of the symbol, right? The symbol is the finger pointing and the sun is one's own mind. That's also what Westworld means, the, the maze, which has a figure pointing to its own head at the center of a maze. Um, so two for the price of one tonight. Um, <laughs> and I do like what you have with the I sleep, I sleep long, but, and I but I think it's paralleled also by the awakes me, by being awakened. There's a movement away from sleep and death, a movement towards. And so the, I think the form union plan is a sort of path of life. It's not a static place. It's not just, uh, it's sort of a river that one is a part of or a kinetic melody as Alexander Luria, the neuroscientist would call it, or just a melody, uh, several notes linked together or several experiences linked together, which are your life, which are the life of all mankind. And that it all comes together through you and through Whitman here, and then through us again and commenting on it. Yeah, eternal, yeah. Uh, and on to 51? Yes. And All right, so these are short. That's interesting. Um, 51, the past and present wilt. I have filled them, emptied them, and proceed to fill my next fold of the future. Listener up there, what have you to confide to me? Look in my face while I snuff the sidle of evening. Talk honestly, no one else hears you, and I stay only a minute longer. Do I contradict myself? Very well then I contradict myself. I'm large, I contain multitudes. I concentrate toward them that are nigh. I wait on the door slab. Who has done his day's work? Who will soonest be through with his supper? Who wishes to talk with me? Will you speak before I am gone? We prove already too late. All right, there's a sort of a Faulknerian feel to this one, sort of a fantastic stream of images, evocative of sort of a home front and that which is mundane and that which is close to one's 
hard. And thus, he, he seems to be trying to get close here, but um, he takes a very conversational tone. At first, the past and present wilt, sort of, again, that sort of divine uh, gospel language, I have filled them, emptied them, sort of Taoist there, filling the cup, emptying the cup, proceed to fill my next fold of the future. So there we have, I suppose, the prediction about the, uh, you know, sort of the astronomical or astrological or um, divine way to predict what the future is, starting at 51, which is appropriate since we're so near the end of um, the poem that he be predicting what comes next. Listener up there, and I suppose that's us. What have you to confide to me? And again, this apostrophe, just like in 50, this, this speaking directly to the reader. Look at my face while I snuff the sidle of evening. Again, he's, he's sort of uh, poking at we, the reader. He's like, again, I know I have your attention, and I'm going to put in your mind's eye whatever it is I want, and you're going to listen, because this is what I have to say. And then he, he says, well, you know. Uh, I am large, I contain multitudes. I think that's got to be the most famous line from this poem. And that that is itself a statement of America. And it is itself a statement of any human. With all the motivational systems we have competing with each other and the rational intellect that, you know, is so limited, but we have to manage them. Do I contradict myself very well? Then I contradict myself. That is a statement of what it is to be a human. Even though Aristotle in metaphysics says that you're no better than a bush, a plant, if you violate the principle of non-contradiction, unfortunately, we as humans, uh, you know, we pursue very differing aims at times, and um, we should understand that about ourselves. I concentrate toward them that are nigh. I wait on the door slab. Um, that which is coming next, the news, uh, the good news, is that the gospel there? I'm not sure. Who has done his day's work? Again, that strikes me as sort of Christian language, sort of the, the, the story of the unjust uh, vineyard, right? The guy who hires everybody on for a, day work, a day's work, but pays them all the same wage, regardless of how much work they've done. Who will soonest be through his supper, with his supper, who wishes to walk with me? Who is he? Is he the sort of Yahwistic figure from the garden? Will you speak before I'm gone? Then sort of like a Christ figure, like the time is now. So, you know, come with me. Will you prove already too late? Again, yeah, that sort of uh, apocalyptic revelatory language, like the time is now. Right. And the time, like the thing you're to do with the time, right, is to, to respond. Seems to be the gist of this. As he's coming to the end of his poem, he's listening and concentrating towards you. He knows you're there, right? What do you have to say back to him? Seems to be his, his question. Um, and, and he sort of, yeah, is prompting you with some, some interesting prompts, right? Um, he gives you some images. He gives you some motivation, right? Um, he explicitly points out the fact of contradiction as the topic or like the theme of his poem in a way, right? Um, and explains exactly why that's the case. As you point out, it's, it is a, a very bold assertion in the face of a long philosophical tradition, um, but one that 
seems to have really taken hold. Um, this idea that contradiction is a mark of greatness um, and a, a mark of, uh, what would you say, like uh, dialectical brilliance to, yes. <laughs> to be able to contain contradiction. And maximal and, experience represented by maximal range of articulation because that yeah. ultimately, which is human experience, which I was talking about in the Iliad to finish it up today, is knowing the rise and fall knowing to be as top of the world as Priam with 50 sons and a hundred daughters and a giant palace and several concubines now being reduced to being on his knees covered in dung that he smeared on his own face after his son died now kissing the hands of his son's slayer in an enemy's camp knowing that his people will soon die because of his other weakling son who's still alive so unjustly and so ultimately I think it is a statement about like to contradict yourself means to live sort of two lives, which means to live a full one life in which you understand the difference between white and black, high and low, because you, you do live the range between them and then can express that in your being and can articulate that. And that's what he's trying to do here. Yeah. The, the, the sort of um, literary, character who comes to mind with me on that is uh Dmitry Karamazov somewhere mm -hmm. in the brothers k has a real similar statement where he's feeling very full of life and uh, poetry and romance and and says something similar about contradictions um kind of coming together uh as he's perceiving things and and you know a novel you know like that I think must have come out right around the same time as as this poem did it seems like it was an idea that was kind of in the air um this idea that you can sort of dramatize yeah those those um that range of human experience but it's there in the epic tradition too it's just sort of phrased couched a little differently um that seems right yeah the father um, isn't embodied in the son in the same way you might say um if, if what stories is all, are always doing is um, modifying the archetype to the present environment in the present style of articulation through the present medium, right? So like we don't have Shakespeare on stage with some bears now, we have IMAX Transformer movies. And you know, all might be stories of betrayal and trust broken uh, with larger than life characters, but it uses the technology and the language of the day. And, um, well, well, in any case, shall we finish this up, Mr. Wesley Chance? Hey, sounds good. The spotted hawk swoops by and accuses me. He complains of my gab and my loitering. I, too, am not a bit tamed. I, too, am untranslatable. I sound my barbaric yop over the roofs of the world. The last scud of day holds back for me flings my likeness after the rest and true as any on the shadowed wilds. It coaxes me to the vapor and the dust. I depart as air. I shake my white locks at the runaway sun. I fuse my flesh in eddies and drifted in lacy jags. I bequeath myself to the dirt to grow from the grass I love. If you want me again, look for me under your boot soles. You will hardly know who I am or what I mean. 
but I shall be good health to you nevertheless, and filter and fiber with blood. Failing to fetch me at first, keep encouraged. Missing me one place, search another. I stop somewhere waiting for you. All right. So 52 uh, seems to kind of pick up right along with where 51 left off. So he's been like calling up to someone listening and the only thing that comes down is a spotted hawk <laughs> and cries at it. <laughs> a bird sign. It's great. Yeah, because he says, I too am not a bit. Right? So it's like everything he takes in as a response and, and responds back again, right? In, in like uh, fashion, right? I'm like that hawk, you know, I'm not tamed. I'm untranslatable. I sound my barbaric yop over the roots of the world. So yeah, this beautiful kind of um, defiant and uh, playful image there at the end. And he reminds you that he's an old man at this point. You know, he talks about his uh, white locks. Uh, it's kind of a Lear image almost, right? King Lear, right? Uh, uh, shaking his, his white locks at the runaway sun. Um, he he won't um, go without without going on his terms, you know. Uh, and for him, that means a, a a boatload of of first person pronouns as throughout. Right? I depart, I shake, I effuse, I bequeath. But the last one is a future tense, um, right? I shall be good health to you, and I stop present tense somewhere so it's like this mixture of um him in literally you know being about to die he's very old okay and yet on the other hand as long as this poem is there um as long as there's leaves of grass out there somewhere he's he's among them you know and he uh doesn't really mind if you don't understand or can't read his poem right it's not translated and meaning either like into a language or into a, a, a form of the language that is still relevant or whatever, you know, it's like, it's just the sound of it. The yawp um, is, is enough that it sort of like involves him uh, in the, in the process of the, of the earth uh, and of nature. And that, that is like a, a kind of um, an endless process, right? That you never finish figuring him out. You never finish, like in a sense, you finished reading the poem. Yeah, you've come to the end of the poem, but you never really finish reading the poem if you're if you're really you know searching for him, if you're really missing him, um, and he never stops uh, being there among it, right? It seems to be the the claim that he makes, which. I don't see how you could falsify. So Right, and I think he sort of pulls a reverse Tom Riddle here from Harry Potter 2 and the diary. He, uh, rather than trying to embody himself again, is now reverting to his disembodied spirit-like form and returning uh, beneath the earth like a ghost. He's, he's now showing himself to have been the psychopomp that has been guiding us along, the spirit that has been leading us through this poem the whole time. He is speaking now, uh, he is directly revealing himself to be the sort of Virgil figure, the Virgilian figure who has taken us, Dante, up to the top 
of the mountain of purgatory. Um, and in this last stanza, I think he's saying, well, he's talking about the meaning of the poem. If you don't get me at the first time, that's okay. Missing me this time, search in another place, you might find it. And I stop somewhere waiting for you. Also that sense of progress that you are progressing towards something that is there waiting for you, which I think is sort of like a Christian message, also sort of the American sort of idea of progress that we're always working towards that sort of promised land. Also the notion that Shinra is moving towards in the video game Final Fantasy VII, we're moving uh, where we're playing. I think it is the state of being and the accompanying fantasy or articulated mythology, which, um, which is embodied through one's actions in life, which are that promised land, which are the America he's talking about, which is the sort of best state of being, the energeia or entelecheia, and that he is trying to point towards that as a psychopomp, as I think all epic poets are trying to point towards. Yeah, so I guess we got to be on about our way, right? We got to look for them under our boot soles, um, which means we got to get get moving. Um, yeah, we, we've been in the underworld for too long. We got to make sure the Medusa head doesn't get thrown up by Persephone <laughs> at us, which I, I think people who do, who play Dungeons and Dragons or, you know, World of Warcraft for hours on end, like 12 hours straight, should well consider that it's like, it's all well and good to go to the underworld and acquire something, you know, to get sucked into some endeavor. But you got to come out before the, you know, it affects your, your nature. Uh, you know, it can have a petrifying effect too, which is perhaps what we always feared about going a traditional scholastic route. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's definitely a, a taste of that here. Right? You know, he's, he's, he's not writing this from within a, uh, a traditional, um university or oh i don't i don't know much about his kind of poetic coterie that he was working within what other poets were around him i do know that around the same time you have another major american poet uh namely emily dickinson and okay. uh, that's who i think we should go, go over in some fashion for our next um text that we're going to okay. talk about well, I'm down for that. Uh, is there a particular poem that we would like to start with, um, a seminal work? I think we're going to have to look at some anthologies and, and dig around a bit, because I'm, I'm very unversed in her, her as writing. Am as am I. This will be new territory. Yeah. So we'll, uh, we'll look and pick and start reading that for next time. Yeah, and hopefully there's a there's an account of it here on Poetry Foundation. Maybe we can mm -hmm. use this as a resource, just because it'd be nice to continue to share this with the listeners if we can, uh, who are on YouTube. Yeah, it's there. I mean, there's lots of great stuff out there. So, gotta yeah. get going. All, All right. right. Well, thank you. That was great work. And um, next night school in the next couple days. Uh, we'll be having and uh, we'll be uh, looking at Emily Dickinson. I'm looking forward to learning more about her and reading her poetry and bringing it back to life and um, and comparing it uh, to some Whitman and starting to see some American tendencies and trends. Uh, that'll be a real pleasure. Yeah.
And uh, to many more completions of tasks here, Wes, uh, I think uh, we do clearly know that the, the way is the path, is the truth, is the light these days. Like the way, the way of being, the way you live your life is everything. And um, these epic poems that we keep going through and these, through these different media, it's just, it's been such a wonderful chance to gain so much insight into the works that built my character. And I think a lot of our culture's character Mm -hmm. and see that the lesson from all time and all walks of earth, which we've had the pleasure of the technology necessary to teach us about um, and has started being built specifically for us. Like I would say think games like Dragon Ball Z and Final Fantasy VII, especially with their aesthetics, they're not just made for Eastern audiences. They're made for the world, right? Mm -hmm. um, and we're starting to see that, I suppose it's just how you live your life and conduct yourself, which is the which is the most important thing you can focus on, you know, from the Phaedrus and Socrates saying it to Whitman talking about, you know, going about your day. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. It's an exciting time. There is so much out there and it's so accessible. Uh, and it's, it's cool to get to like sort of rediscover it and hopefully bring some more people along. Yeah. And make a new gymnasium, uh, a new, uh, or, you know, a new, a new lyceum or, mm -hmm. or academy because now we have out that full Iliad course. So Alcibiades can not slap this schoolmaster because he has his Homer and that's for sure. And now we have our Whitman here too for everybody. And, you know, as far as we know forever. And so, you know, it's, I'm glad this is the Christmas season and truly charity is the, the, the um, cure or the expiating agent or envy and mm. i i would say that the more i give the less proud i am because i i see my work <laughs> and it's not perfect uh but mm. it's the best i have got and it does get better over time which is good um trending up that's the best you can ask for a stock best for a human too i think um but also the more i give you know the less i need because it's like i see myself more as a a vessel for action than a seat of consciousness right more like what can I do and what can I accomplish as sort of an ant in the hill as a human rather than, you know, how can I just feel good most of the time? And <laughs> actually it does tend to be the way that when I'm focusing on things that are not me, just as Dante says, when you are focusing on something that is not time, time moves very fast without you noticing it. It's the same way. I think when you focus on some great endeavor, it sort of takes your mind off the pain of existence. And that's, sort of the existential answer to what to do with yourself. And maybe Whitman would agree with that. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that is a, a pretty lofty uh, end to kind of accompany the study of uh, literature, but it doesn't seem that far um, a field from, from what it, it actually feels like when you do it. I think that is, uh, worth putting out there for people who are uh, kind of adrift or like looking for something. Um, yeah, totally. And for those who are feeling like, you know, they do have something to give, um, by all means, uh, get involved and, and uh, help us out. That'd be great. Yeah, this is a cornucopia. This space is, this intellectual space is large and rich. So be a sooner when it comes to this. Um, and yeah, we're, we're always looking to hear what people have to say. 
So, you know, if you have something to say, message us, like us, comment on us, send us a video message or, or rather a, or a, an audio message on Anchor if you're listening on that platform, whatever. We'd love to hear from you. All right, well, Wes, Emily Dickinson in a couple days. Yep, sounds good. Thanks again. Sounds good. Thank you. Okay. Congratulations. You too.